Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. I thought you were recording that whole thing. <laughs> oh no, I was just making fun of Christy before we started recording. You guys, it's usual. This is literally abuse. She abuses me when we're not recording. <laughs> That's not true. You love it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's how I know you love me is because you always tease me. So. I know I, people that I don't really like. I just kind of ignore. Yeah, I kind of, like tease people. Hopefully, in a nice way. If I like them, <laughs> exactly. I agree. I mean, if I know that they can take it, I know you can take it. <laughs> yes. Cause I can dish it out. My mom always used to say, if you can't, if you can't take it, don't dish it out or don't dish it out. If you can't take it, there you go. I think you said the same thing just backwards. It, what I know. I'm like how she used to say it was don't. Yeah. I, don't I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, it's Thanksgiving week when this comes out. Yes. Cream corn and mashed potatoes. Oh, you're a green corn person. <laughs> yes. Grandma Henriksen, Grandma Ruth used to make cream corn and I would put it on top of my mashed potatoes and it is my favorite. That's so, does, does, did they put mayonnaise in their cream corn? No, it is simply roasted garlic, cream cheese, and fresh corn from the garden that we freeze during the summer. And then pull it out at Thanksgiving to make cream corn. As you can see, I'm not a cream corn kind of person. <laughs> it's delicious. Well, I'll make you this cream corn and then you'll be like, all right, I get it. Corn kind of freaks me out because of the it's way it comes out of your body. No, but the way it comes out of your body, it kind of freaks me out. What? Well, corn in general. <laughs> have you seen that SNL skit when they identify that's what they have, like everybody has in common? No. Okay. There's one with, I can't remember who's in it, but I know Will Ferrell is one of them. One of the characters. This this is old. No, he was a guest. Okay. But I mean, it's not new. It's probably like three or four years old. Who knows if you go look it up, but anyway, it's kind of funny because they figure out like what they have in common is the fact that there's corn in your poo. (laughs) 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 Pretty much. (laughs) So, which I think is kind of funny. So anyway, I don't actually like turkey very much. 
I don't either. So we, um, I think we had this discussion last year. You'll have something different, don't you? No, uh-uh. we usually just, we usually go full on traditional. Um, I think the, the best part about the turkey is the sandwiches the next day and you just have to use a lot of mayonnaise. So it's not so dry. <laughs> yeah. I, I never like, I don't take, cause I either at my brothers or my parents generally. So I don't take any turkey leftovers. I'm like, but I'll take the sides. Like I love the mashed potatoes and the green bean casserole and the and cream corn, <laughs> not the cream corn, cranberry sauce. Oh, and my grandma's stuffing, like cornbread stuffing. Is it yummy? So good. I need to make sure my brother's making that. That's awesome. On the it's funny story. One year I lived in Mexico City on Thanksgiving, and so um, obviously they don't celebrate American Thanksgiving, but it was a bunch of Americans, and so we were having a bunch of like Mexicans over to celebrate with us. And we were, I was going to make this cornbread stuffing recipe and we had to find sage, which is not very common in Mexico, like as a spice to buy. So there's this market in Mexico city. Like it's the biggest market you've ever been to, like an indoor, but outdoor like booths and stalls and like massive. So we're walking around, like trying to find sage. Everybody's like, you know, like looking at us like crazy. It was, we probably walked three miles. Like that's how big this market is trying to find at the very last booth. We found Sage nice, and, and saved the cornbread stuffing Yay. for the holiday. But in typical Mexican fashion, like we were, we got all the food ready and we're ready, you know, like at eight o'clock and people didn't show up till 10 o'clock for dinner. <laughs> what are you thankful for this year? You. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't going to say you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you <don't have> <laughs> see it's proof folks she abuses me <laughs> no i'm uh, I, I think it's just i'm just thankful i've got a great life yeah yeah i'm really thankful for this community i feel like this year it's like i don't know taking the next level next level and we're gonna do it again in 2023 so just hold on yeah, but, but not even just the festival, like at all the events we go to and people come up to us and like talk about the stories and how they love those and getting to know the feet, the folks that are on the podcast and how we get to support those folks. Like, it's just really fun. I love this community. Um, and I love today's guest who's on. Yes, I was going to say community. You couldn't get a better representative for community and building community than, than Maddie Garcia. So, Yeah. So uh, Madeline is on the Stamina Racing Collective team. And uh, if you meet her in an event, she's always got the biggest smile on her face. And she's always willing to dance for my Instagram reels, Boom, <laughs> which makes me happy. Uh, but we got to talk to her um, all about cycling, how she got into cycling. And um, she was diagnosed with hypothyroid, hyper, no hypothyroidism. And so like what that was like getting to that diagnosis. Um, and what it's been like, like adapting her training and racing around that. So I know a lot of folks can, uh, um, can relate to that and, and like feeling like something's off in your body. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with Madeline Garcia. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations 
plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. You're catching me in a huge yawn. Wow. <laughs> that was like unexpected. You cannot be yawning for today's guest because she might have the most energy of anybody I know at races. <laughs> uh, agreed. Agreed. Maybe that's why I was getting it out. Like, You're getting it out. I'm getting, getting well, out. I'm breathing in all that extra oxygen and just being ready to talk to Madeline Garcia. <laughs> hey, Madeline, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay. If you're ever on our social media, especially this summer, you probably saw a lot of Madeline because she was like such a ham at uh, the last best ride. It was amazing. Angel did a little Instagram takeover, but was that when you had COVID? Did you have COVID? Yeah, I, so I was on the planning committee for Grounded Nebraska and uh, I got COVID that week. I spent a year prepping and planning for this race um, and then got sick. And so Uh, I know I was heartbroken. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, you're not the only one that that's happened to (laughs) this year, right? Like that thing, I thought we were past this and this thing I was looking forward to. It got me. Was that your first round of it? It was. Yeah. 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 Christy got it for the first time this year too. I got it after coming back from Ireland. So I had to go, I had to go all the way to Ireland to get it. You know, not a bad story, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, now whenever I have a headache is like, is that COVID? Yeah. And now it's all, al- it's all allergy season. So everything feels like COVID. I'm like, oh, I'm just really tired every afternoon. I'm like, cause it's fall allergy season. Yeah. Every time I have a bad day on the bike and I'm tired, I'm like, is it COVID? <laughs> it's like, no. I loved how you leaned into that. Is it COVID? Is it COVID? <laughs> That's how I feel every single time. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I think we're going to be doing that for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay, Madeline, we usually we like to start just hearing your story of how you got on to the bike. And I think, well, I'm not going to assume anything about your story. So you tell us your story. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Texas. Um, I grew up in what was a very small town and is now part of the urban sprawl of Dallas. Um, so I, I think I had a bike as a kid and that was really it. Um, and I, uh, after college, I went to Portland, Oregon for a while, um, had a hard time with the dark and the rain oh. all the time. Uh, I grew up with 300 days of sun. Like I needed sunshine. Um, and so I knew about four people in the twin cities. Um, so I moved across the country 
um, with a duffel bag and a dog on a credit card. Um, I wouldn't recommend this path if anybody is thinking about it. Um, it's not the best plan, but it's the it's the one that we had at the time. Um, so I moved to Minneapolis um, in 2017. And uh, I didn't have a car when I moved here. And I was like, I can bike places. Like I know how to ride a bike. Um, so I bought a bike before I found a place to live. And oh, wow. it is completely how I fell in love with the city. Um, it's how I made friends. Um, it's how I got around and, um, you know, felt connected to myself and felt like I could find a place in this city that was really new to me. Did you get a, did you get a car before winter or did you bike in the winter? You know, uh, that first winter I didn't bike. I had this like little single speed that I think was on like 25s. Like that thing was not getting out in the winter. So I biked until I couldn't bike anymore. Um, and then I took public transportation. So um, the first three years I lived here, um, I was biking or on a bus or on a train. Um, and every winter I went a little farther than I had in years past, right? So some of that was like getting a new bike that just had wider tires and uh, getting the gear that was suitable to be outside in the winter here. Um, and so uh, I think I got to the point where I made it like nine or 10 months out of the year um, for a lot of stuff. And uh, also because I didn't have a car and I wasn't making a car payment, I wasn't paying for insurance. Uh, I was not too proud to call an Uber, right? Um, like when, when it sucks outside, sometimes you have to make a different choice. And so, um, you know, it, uh, it got me through. Well, you were, I mean, you were, grew up outside of Dallas, so there probably wasn't a lot of like oh, public transportation. No. Okay. But then no. you went to, to. Uh, when you went out to, to, when you went out to Portland, there was right. So you yeah, kind of, there's okay. a pretty solid transportation system. And, um, you know, in Austin as a student, I would take the bus places and mm -hmm. I visited other places that had great public transportation, um, which I was super excited about that possibility, right. All that that opens up. Um, and so, uh, have always just liked public transportation. I think it's great. We should have more of it. It is great. <laughs> It is great when the system can like, it's enough that it doesn't take you two hours to get like right. yeah. the five miles across town or something. Yeah, absolutely. The systems don't work. Yeah. Yeah. So the Twin Cities is set up pretty well um, for that and, uh, you know, was able to live in a spot that was really reasonable to get places, right, to work, to the grocery store, et cetera. That's awesome. And then how did you connect with Stamina? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, when I moved here, I was freelancing. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but I knew I needed a steady paycheck. Uh, so my friend was like, you should go work in a bike shop, uh, which I thought was hilarious, uh, because I knew that I liked my bike and that was about it. Um, so I found a local bike shop and they hired me. Uh, I'm not being modest when I say I knew the least about bikes of anyone they ever hired. <laughs> <laughs> um, like bless whoever was in that interview. Um, but you know, really quickly I was motivated, 
to get that knowledge, to get um, to get that technical skill set on the sales floor, um, to be connecting with people about having an awesome experience on the bike. Um, I really loved it. And so um, that let me get more into biking that just access wise allowed me to buy a lot of the bike stuff um, that, you know, takes people so long to accumulate. Right. Um, And when I was at the shop, you know, I looked at some other racing teams and opportunities and um, just didn't feel like the right fit existed. So Mm. um, just sort of let it go. And um, when I moved out of the bike shop into another career, um, I was thinking about it again. And um, then COVID happened. And then the murder of George Floyd happened. And uh, shortly after that, I think somebody on Instagram reshared the first stamina post um, about starting this team, about um, increasing diversity in racing by opening doors for access, right? By providing mentorship and by investing in the community. Um, And so for the first time, I felt like there was a racing team uh, that would fit not just my values, but where I was coming from um, as a rider. Uh, And so it's sort of history from there. Um, I joined Aaron and um, a group of other folks and we are over two years in, if you can believe it. Um, It feels like we are building the bike as we ride it uh, practically every day. Um, and some days it's running really smoothly and feels awesome. And other days I'm pretty sure a wheel is going to fall off, Um, (laughs) but, um, it is a goofy crew. It is a loving group of people, uh, that really support one another on and off the bike. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great space where we've had some really tough conversations, um, where people have done some impressive growth. Uh, I I feel like I'm really proud of the growth that I've done on this team, not just as a rider, but um, as a person, right? As a person with perspective on what it means to grow, on what it means to um, feel like you're failing and realize that, um, you know, this is part of the work, right? Um, the end goal isn't the thing, right? We're trying to build a system and a process that supports continuous growth. Um, it's not one finish line. It's not a certain time. It's um, it's how we build something more holistic than that. Can you kind of describe a little bit of that process? Because you, I know you opened up for team members recently. Is it still open? Um, so it just closed and we are, yeah, so we're about to make offers um, this week. Okay. So how does that process go? Like when you're talking about, cause I know you mentioned Erin, that's Erin Ayala. She was a guest on our podcast, like during 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. Was ago. yeah. So that's, I mean, if you're listening to this, it might be even worth going back to find that, that podcast. Maybe we can even link it in here because it's a good one. Um, she talks about mansplaining, but it's a real thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, just, just as we're listening to you talk about this now, like what is the process that stamina goes through the stamina racing collective as you guys are looking for 
team members and, and what are some of your goals and objectives each year? Yeah, so we do not expect people to be fast to join this team. That is not a prerequisite. Um, we don't care how fast you are, how nice your bike is, how many podiums you have. We don't ask for a race resume in our application. Um, we do ask people to make a commitment to growth, right? And that growth, it might be catting up. Um, it might be gaining technical handling skills. It might be finishing um, a really, a really big event, right? Some people, they want to finish a 50 mile gravel race and that is like their biggest thing that they are aiming for. And so, um, you know, not asking for some of the things that other teams are asking for. Um, we're asking folks to also uphold our values, right? To come in and believe and represent that Black Lives Matter, um, that queer and trans people belong in sports and anywhere else that they damn well please. Um, and that uh, cycling can be a place where people find joy and freedom, um, that it is, uh, it's a tool to move us forward uh, and there shouldn't be barriers, right? There shouldn't be, um, you know, uh, things that harm people along the way when they want to get into this sport, right? And so um, really asking people to uphold those values at events that we're at, but also, um, you know, doing that work in their own lives. So looking for like-minded people that um, want to bring that to the bike world. Um, and then finally, we ask people to make a commitment to training and racing. Um, it's hard. <laughs> Um, going from being a recreational rider to being a racer is really challenging. Um, I was a commuter and a recreational rider before joining this team and, um, you know, was starting at the same time, some very new riders were coming in. Um, and I sort of thought like, I have enough riding experience that like, I don't really need the indoor winter training as much as other people do. Uh, like I'm going to be just fine. And that's incorrect. Um, <laughs> nothing does what structured training does. Um, and so, you know, just a lot of um, a lot of love and a lot of respect for people who live in cold places that have spent many winters in their basement, um, <laughs> whether on Zwift or with an old like with a bike computer or whatever else, right? Um, just a little whiteboard with the zones in front of them, um, because it's really challenging um, to make that a part of your routine and to find joy in that process. You you used a word that I do think can be intimidating. You used the word racer. So <laughs> when you're talking about that from the Stamina, Stamina Racing Collective's perspective, what what do you guys mean by a racer? Yeah, we mean somebody who shows up to a race. That's Boom. it. That's it. Um, and so, you know, within that, we talk a lot about um, like process oriented goals. Um, you can tell I'm on a team with therapists. <laughs> I can tell that just yes. by like the way you're talking about growth. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to join this team because I feel like it would be free therapy. I know. Yeah, I <laughs> promote members. Are so many things that like that we say that I'm like, wow, this is hilarious. Like I went to theater school, like that's what I went to school for. And we talked about feelings a lot, 
But this Jesus, season, no, this is totally all making sense. Yeah, <laughs> all makes so, sense now. <laughs> um, you know, really pushing each other to how we're framing goals, right? Instead of saying like, "I want to, I want to finish on a podium," or "I want to finish with the pack," instead thinking about um, other things along the way that are a little more in my control. So. Um, you know, like my first couple, my first two seasons of racing, right? They're, they're hard, they're humbling. Um, And so some of my goals this season are things like when I know I'm in a hard race, my commitment to myself, if I'm losing the main pack, if I'm losing the group is I'm going to stand up and like power uh, to try and stick with them. And I'm going to try that three times until I blow up. Like my commitment to myself is three efforts, three hard efforts to stick with them. Right. And if I've done those three and it's not happening, then it's not meant to be, but like those things are in my control and I'll finish that race knowing that I, I did what I set out to do. Um, or things like, uh, if this happens, I want to, um, you know, I want to remind myself that, uh, that I'm in a race with other safe racers. I want to remind myself, um, that I have prepared for this event, like things that I can tell myself along the way. Right. Um, as opposed to goals that can just end up being really disappointing or make you feel crummy um, because very few people are good day one. Very few people are winning day one, right? Um, And so what are the other ways that this can be a fulfilling experience, right? Um, And so I've felt great on the days that I get dropped and I hang out with a chase pack for the rest of the ride, (laughs) right? Um, And so I think that has um, made me, I think it's made me a better friend. I think it's made me a better uh, person in the world um, to be able to just keep moving through stuff when it's hard. I love that. And, And we have this interesting discussion within our community at times because there's a, there's something that I see that people think that if you go and compete, that's not the spirit of grapple. Like I've seen that on certain posts. They're like, well, there shouldn't be podiums at races. Like there shouldn't be competition. It should just be a big group ride. And I'm like, I think there's something in competition, like signing up and saying, I'm going to come in with my goals, whatever they are. It doesn't have to be to be on a podium, but that there's a unique way that as adults, we can learn and grow in our lives that you just don't get in other spaces in your life, right. That you get through just like, I'm going to, put myself out there. Like, I'm going to see if I can do this. And I'm going to, and, and like I did, um, an Ironman years ago was like my second endurance <laughs> that I signed up for. And I learned so much about myself in that season and so much about self-talk and attitude and things that over the course of my life, like, I think I would have probably learned those, but it would take me 10 years and then nine months of training. Oh yeah. Learned so many of those like big lessons that still inform who I am today. So I I really love like the way you all frame that. It's not always easy, right? Um, Like I've gotten in the car after races this year and cried and felt like I failed. Right. Um, And so I think having a group of people who are um, loving and supportive and, um, you know, can 
keep me in check, right? Like I think that is such a valuable part um, of being on any team, right? I think that everybody who is on a team deserves that, right? Deserves people that are going to lift them up, um, deserves people that are going to expect a lot from them. I think it's a gift when someone expects a lot from me, um, even if it's challenging, right? Um, And so I think that has just, it's stuff I couldn't do on my own, you know? Well, I was just thinking, you know, because I think, and, and I obviously have some, some inside track record with Stamina Racing Collective um, and have seen the work that your team is doing, which is incredibly impressive and making, helping race promoters um, with making space that's super intentional um, with all of that. Because you guys, I mean, you put yourselves out there. You're not shy about who you are and what you stand for. Do you, have you been in situations where you felt any sort of conflict from people because of who you guys are or has it always been pretty supportive? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely those moments. Um, and so, you know, our, our team gets invitations, uh, to speak at, uh, you know, with other groups, whether they are their clubs, um, with race promoters, et cetera. Um, and they call us because they want to be a more diverse and inclusive place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that everybody has learning to do on this front, including me, including stamina. Right. Right. Uh, that work doesn't end. And sometimes we get to those conversations and um, someone thinks that the work begins and ends with a conversation with us. Right. Or that it begins and ends when um, they have women in their press photos. <laughs> Right. Um, and so there's so much more involved there. And so sometimes um, that friction happens. Um, and so I, I feel really fortunate. Erin um, models this so beautifully um, of how to be really, really warm, but really direct at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how to say, like, you called us to have this discussion. Um, here's what we would expect if we were going to bring our riders there. And this is what I see instead, right? Um, and those those things are in conflict with one another. And until that changes, we're not gonna show up and we cannot recommend that other people that we know and love show up either, right? So there are definitely those discussions. Um, and we, uh, you know, we've had other challenging moments, um, whether they are with other riders, um, with other individuals at races, and um, uh, sometimes they're tough. Uh, I think there are people who think that like gravel's done its work. Like there are, there are female podiums, whatever it's, the work is done or the work is done because ride for racial justice came here. Um, and it's not right. Um, there are so many, uh, so many moments, big and small at these events, um, that make it challenging for black, brown, indigenous people to show up that make it uh, harmful for trans and non-binary and queer people to show up, right? Um, And so how do we support those things improving uh, on that individual level and at that bigger level? Um, And so it is is always going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had said when you were talking about this that there were a lot of things that you had personally learned over the last few years. Are there any things you would wanna share? Uh, yeah, you know, I learned a lot about training and racing. (laughs) Um, I, uh, you know, started, 
I started structured training in fall of 2020. Um, and around that time, uh, you know, just didn't feel great, like physically, mentally didn't feel great. Um, and really struggled with structured training. And so in those early, um, the early days, I really thought that like the only thing I could contribute to this racing team was the admin side, <laughs> right? <laughs> was like the logistical brain was building relationships and making connections that would support the team. Like I thought that that was maybe all I was capable of. Um, and, you know, getting on the bike was really hard um, mentally, physically. And I got to a point where I was like, maybe I'm lazy. Like, (laughs) like maybe I am just not cut out for this or like any number of other things because other people aren't struggling in the way that I am. Um, and so did my first season of racing. It was really hard. Um, I wasn't in visual sight of the people who won those races. (laughs) Um, And it was hard. Uh, And so as the year went on, um, just physically felt some other weird things, right? I was um, tired a lot. I was sleeping like 10, 12 hours a night and still feeling exhausted. Hmm. Uh, I could hardly make it through the day without a nap. (laughs) Um, And had some brain fog, just, I'm a person who really loves remembering details. Um, I like remembering details that make people feel special or just like little things. And like, I was forgetting a lot of stuff. Um, right. This all continued, uh, until I went to the doctor and I was like, I just needed to run a bunch of blood tests until we figure out what's wrong. Cause I know I'm not depressed. Um, but physically something is really wrong here. Um, and so, uh, my doctor is great. She listened, um, she ran all those tests, um, and quickly saw that I had hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. So, um, it means that my body was, um, over creating, uh, this TSH, this thyroid hormone, like in order to make my thyroid do its job because it didn't have enough. So it's overproducing, um, and making me really tired. So my doctor uh, described it as like, uh, we live in Minnesota and it was winter. Uh, She's like, if you crank your thermostat, uh, but all of your windows and doors are open. Mm. So really quickly, the house is cold and your energy bill is high. Um, And she was like, your numbers are so high. You've probably physically carried this for at least two years. Oh my gosh. Um, And so I mean, so validating, right? Um, Like thinking about all the moments that like I was in my head about not doing well, not feeling well, thinking that I was like lazy or I just like didn't have what it takes, right? Uh, And something was like physically very wrong. Um, And so I started medication and uh, really within, it took about six months to dial it in and to like have hormone levels that were normal again. Um, But within about a month, I felt better than I had felt in so long. Uh, I remember the first day I woke up and I didn't feel tired. Um, and so that, um, that really is what helped me like get back on the bike for the second season. And so, um, I think I was able to do a second season of racing, right. To continue, um, because 
I like made this discovery and was able to find grace for myself, right? Uh, and was able to forgive all these moments that I thought that I was like making a mistake or wasn't good enough. Um, and be like, yeah, this is what was going on. And like, there are moments that I can make different decisions um, that are going to make me feel better. Right. And so um, coming in with that perspective added a lot to racing for me, right? Like how to finish a race and feel proud of an effort, regardless of where I finish, right? Um and uh, to show up and do your best, right? That's what we ask of all of our riders, show up and do your best. Um, and so felt like that was finally happening. And so I think that was like some of the biggest on the bike learning was like grace for myself, right? Patience with myself, um, extending, being able to extend that to other teammates who were struggling, right? Whether it's with health or life or whatever, um, just made such a big, big impact on me. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you figured out how to shut your windows. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Brutal. I was sleeping so much, Christy. Like, I don't know how anything was happening. Um, and like this past winter, you know, was like able to get out of bed and do my workouts in the morning and, go work a full day and like come home and cook dinner and like actually have energy. Yeah. I can't like having that, having that kind of tired and then the brain fog too would just be, that's exhausting in and of itself. It's just setting up this pattern of just exhaustion. Cause you're just like, yeah. And I would go to races and I would feel painfully tired for days afterwards, like just so physically spent um, that I, like, I almost wasn't functional after races. Right. Um, yeah. so I'm like, but why on earth does anyone, why am do I this? doing this? <laughs> did you, did somebody say something or did you, did you start doctor Googling? Or are you like, something's not right? Yeah. So my hair started falling out, oh, wow. um, which was very stressful and very alarming. Um, and I like, I mentioned, like, I think this is happening or like something isn't right. And, um, my partner is a physician and she was like, your hair is falling out. Like you it's, it's time. She's like, I don't know what it is. Like, I can't do, I can't do blood tests from our home. Um, but like, you need to go to the doctor and you need to say this until you find an answer. Um, so validating. Right. I mean, there are so many don't do that. Like we just go, Oh, it's just like, it's me. Right. Like. Yeah. I think I really would have like blown it off for a long time. Well, you did blow it off for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you were, you were pretty good at that. (laughs) Yeah. I would have put it off even longer. Right. 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 So, um, you know, just such a juxtaposition this season, um, unbound was the first race that I, I did. That was like the first big event feeling, um, healthy, right? Like my numbers were still twice what they should have been. Um, but I felt pretty good. Right. And so, um, finish that race and just like looking at the photo of me, uh, after the race, like covered in mud, I'm disgusting. It was awesome. Um, I looked so alert, right. I, 
I felt like I looked great after 50 miles. <laughs> um, and just even like looking at pictures from one season to the next, or like thinking about, you know, even being able to have a conversation after a race, it was, uh, it was a world of difference. Um, so this is a reminder, if you feel like shit, go to your doctor and ask them to run tests until you figure it out. Um, cause you know, your body, you're the expert. Um, and if something's not right, start digging. Yeah. Did your, did your, was your doctor responsive to it? She was. Yeah. She's great. Um, I, uh, I wrote an unbound blog for stamina and, uh, I think my doctor's hilarious. Uh, she's got this, you know, the, the pin of like the dumpster fire and the dog saying, this is fine. It's fine. She wears that on her coat. Um, that's what really has told me on her is my primary care doctor. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, she's been fantastic. And so, uh, again, like there are great resources out there to find practitioners that are going to be right for you. Um, I've used a website called OutCare before. Um, it was started by residents. Um, it is a resource for finding uh, LGBTQ affirming uh, practitioners in your area, right? So these folks are like self-identifying, self-selecting and saying like, yeah, I am a urologist in this area and I, um, like I'm welcoming to LGBTQ people, right? And ha like have that additional awareness, right? So, uh, that's a resource that I've used, um, to find people that will make doctors that will make me feel comfortable and safe, um, to ask questions. That's great. Yeah. We, one of our community, you're much too young for this, but one of our communities is Feisty Menopause. And it's like, it's so interesting to watch in our Facebook group, the number of women that say they go in and their doctor just like blows them off mm -hmm. their symptoms, you know? And I'm like, well, it sounds a lot like perimenopause, <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's just, it's the shame. I think women really have to, like you say, be willing to go in and be like, I'm not leaving until you give me an answer because this is not right. I know my body. This is not right. Absolutely. Was it a relief or was there a little bit of like mourning or how did that? Oh, feel? such a relief. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it, at first I was like, oh, like, what does this mean? Like I have a chronic health condition. Like I have to like take this pill every day. And then I was like, oh, I only take this pill every day. And it makes me feel like a million bucks like compared to where I was. <laughs> so like, after like once that like reality check kicked in, I was like, this is great. Like I can totally handle this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, really mostly, mostly relief. Yeah. I would imagine that's, yeah. Yeah. And you guys had so much fun at Unbound. It was, oh my gosh, it was hard to not just hang out with you guys the whole time. <laughs> We'll like put you in a disguise when you're ready to just like step away <laughs> and you can just come hang with us. Like, uh, in a, in a a <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll be perfect. So, uh, anytime you want to, uh, you want to ditch responsibilities and ride with us, we got right? you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I do that, love that about your team is just like, there's a genuine sense that you really care about each other and are for each other and are there, you know, to have the party and, and like do your business at the race, but have the party. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, this year when we, we traveled to other events and 
Um, our, our team has had limited slots and some of that is just because of what sponsors can offer us. And mm-hmm. we want to really support all the riders that we have. Um, so we don't have an open roster. Um, you know, there were some folks that applied last year. We didn't have space for, but we said, come hang out with us. Uh, and they believed it <laughs> and they showed up to stuff with us. They traveled with us. Um, you know, they guest rode with us at, at local races and um, some gravel events and uh, just bring people along, right? Like draw the circle wide uh, and let people show up. And so we um, we actually offered those folks roster slots before we opened applications, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you're amazing. Like you showed up and you're doing the thing and you've gotten to know us and you are like, you are committed to your growth. You've shown us all season. You've shown yourself that. And that's the most important thing. So um, that was just such a joy um, to, to be able to do that and to connect with other people at events this season. Um, Melon and Base Miles, um, very, various other groups that we've gotten to hang out with uh, are just such a treat. That's awesome. Well, I would love to hear if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I really want a team like stamina and they're like, well, maybe I should start it. Like, what are, what are some of the things that you would say, like, these are things you should think about, or these are things like, because I know it's, it's amazing once it's there, but it's a lot of freaking work to create that. Uh, I would say find the people locally who believe in you and want to see it succeed uh, and then don't let them go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and even if they're not local, maybe they uh, are regional or somewhere else, right? Like don't let them go. Let them be the person that you are bouncing ideas off of, that you are problem solving with uh, as you start to build something. Um, so first is find your people. <laughs> um, and then second is be open to what can happen when you assemble people of really different lived experiences, right? Um, I'm so proud of Stamina. I'm so proud of the stuff that we do. And at the end of the day, it's not my team. It's not Aaron Ayala's team, right? It's, um, it is this collective. And so when we're bringing in other people and other experiences, um, being open to what they have to offer, even, even if it's different than what I would say, right? Because um, when we're talking about inclusion, um, that doesn't mean like bringing a diverse group of people together and asking them to like all work the same way. That's asking people to conform, <laughs> right? Um, and so instead being open uh, to the experiences that and expertise, right? That other people show up with. Um, Cause that is what is going to keep it going. You know, maybe you step back from racing, maybe you take a year, maybe you um, find something additional in your life that's fulfilling, right? Um, it'll only continue if those, that diversity of perspectives um, has space to thrive, right? I think those are the two things. Yeah. And, and I hope the of- editors can make me sound smart with all that. <laughs> Well, I think it's also important to point out that this is not anybody's full-time job, right? You all have jobs, right? You have jobs. <laughs> we all have jobs. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you're like, I can't do this because you need a full-time team director or something, but it's like you yeah. all have the weight of it together. 
we spread a lot of the work. So uh, like social media is really big for our team. Um, I'll tell you the secret on this podcast. <laughs> um, we use later for scheduling. So we map out our content and we spread it across riders, right? Those assignments across riders um, so that people can share their experience with biking, their experience at an event. Um, and so that's spreading the load, right? As part of how it happens. I mean, my secret is I follow Madeline around at events and just get lots of footage of her and then use it for months on it. It's perfect. I'll send you the calendar of where I'll be next year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sure that we could chat with you forever because you're always so fun to talk to. But uh, where will people be finding you all next year or you and where can people connect with you at? Yeah, so it can connect with us on Instagram. Um, follow us. We're Stamina Racing Collective. Um, this uh, the beginning of November, we'll be launching our silent auction um, for Give to the Max Day. That's Minnesota's greatest day of giving. Um, and so we have some incredible, uh, incredible products um, in that silent auction uh, that we'll send to people near and far. So um, check that out in a couple of weeks. It supports our team and the work that we do in the community year round. Um, and then we haven't finalized our race calendar yet. Um, we are focused on Give to the Max Day right now, but, uh, I would love to go back to Unbound. That is my hope. Um, we might be able to get you in. <laughs> I might know somebody. Uh, I, you know, like I said, like looking at photos of this year's races, I think I looked a little too good after 50. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to do, to do another distance and, uh, chatting with my coach about, about what that'll be next year. Um, and then I'm again on the advisory board for Grounded Nebraska. So I'll definitely be at that event um, in June. And again, um, it's got higher payouts for um, women's podiums and the gender expansive and non-binary podiums as well. So um, if you are not a cis dude and you wanna go out there and shred, like go out there and shred for 20% more, baby. Um, see me out there, uh, or if you just want a party pace, like we're going to have a crew. So, um, those are the things I'm looking at. And you, you got to mention that there's an unbound ticket. There is. So, uh, you can skip the lottery, um, go bid on that. Um, and so I, I wasn't sure if I could say it, there is an unbound ticket in there. Um, so please go bid and, uh, come hang out with us this year. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join us, um, and chat through your experiences. I always love seeing you all at events and I'm like, there's a map out our girls on gravel calendar around where stamina is going to be so we can hang out with them. <laughs> oh my gosh, please, please. It's such a gift to spend time with you. And um just so grateful for what you do for the biking community and, um, and at events, right? Like I, um, I've said that Unbound is built on the determination and love of Christy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I know she's got an incredible team behind her that makes that happen. Um, but uh, the work that you do, it, it makes a big difference. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, 
please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.